Christian, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, this year, we decided... Um, it's just to take advantage of the uh, the reality that Christmas, not Christmas, well, Christmas did too. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day landed where they did. We wanted to jump into that in a big way and uh, and really, really take advantage of talking about something that is on all of our minds. This is the new year. And so just as far as new year, instead of it being new year, new you, to really focus in on new year, new creation, that there's a pr- more profound reality spoken over us. And if there was a byline to this, it would be uh, Martinelli's, Julie Andrews, and Second Corinthians. And so we're going to get to each one of those starting. Uh, and if, so if you have your Bible, please do turn to Second Corinthians. But let's start with the Martinelli's. My parents, my parents, uh, for celebration, the drink of choice was Martinelli's. It was, um, that was way cooler than I thought it would be. <laughs> okay, easy does it. All right. So they both came from alcoholic families. And so, um, and then when they became Christians, they were like, man, we, we definitely don't want to party the way our parents party. We are not going to pass the Carversier. We're going to pass the Martinelli's. And so that's what they did. And so any McFadden celebration had Martinelli's. Here you go, Scott. Enjoy some of that. Oh, but just hold on that for a sec. Um, does anyone else like some Martinelli's? All right, right on. Product of California, the Martinelli's company has been generating up this awesome apple cider for a long time. <laughs> that was good. Don't spill it. <laughs> Anyone else? All right, right on over there. Okay, great. And the thing is, is that again, this, it doesn't take too much um, of an excuse to require Martinelli's for my family. We love it. We're big, big fans of it. There you go. Enjoy just the top one. It is. It's perfect sparkling cider. So last night, Julie and Mike are in Haiti with the Haiti team, but we, uh, the rest of the McFadden crew and Bear the Dog all enjoyed Martinelli's. Not Bear the Dog, but you know. Now, the thing about it, uh, whenever you get to um, a New Year's Eve celebration and you have a toast, you're toasting to two things. And so if you received one of the cups um, that I handed out, if you could please stand. And we're going to go ahead and together uh, raise our glass. Because what you do when you're toasting the year uh, at a New Year's party, you're toasting the year that has gone by. Ups and downs, we're toasting that. And you're toasting to the year going forward. So as a Christian, it just takes on even brand new meaning and everything. Because we, us men here, are holding up glasses. We are going to be toasting to 2016. We're toasting to 2016, the ups and the downs, the defeats, and we're thanking God for seeing us through those downs. And we're thanking God for the ups and the victories in there too. We're also raising a glass to 2017, a year full of possibility and adventure of following God's lead. Amen? Hear, hear. Delicious. All right, you guys can have a seat. All right. Delicious, delicious stuff. Now, here's the cool thing about it, is that as Christians, we walk with that reality. The toast that takes place on New Year's is our story as Christians. New Year, new creation is something that we don't simply think about or attach some, some neat, oh, it's a brand new year, so this has got some significance to it. We attach deeper meaning to it. And we see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. Now, one of the things that people do, and you may have already done this um, at New Year's time, is they make these promises to themselves right? Promises that, that this year is going to be different in X, Y, and Z. And what are these promises called? Resolutions. Now, I'm not going to ask you what your resolutions are, but I want to be, if you, if you did not 
intentionally, you're like, I'm not making resolutions this year. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, okay, good, hands down. How many of you did make resolutions? Okay, smaller number. For those of you who didn't make resolutions, why didn't you? What? What is someone? What is someone I fail so often? Oh, you, okay, yeah. Right, right. We walk in that disappointment of like, seriously. And oftentimes, they're about these three primary things when we're, we're stepping in our own failure. We, we see these uh, resolutions that revolve around these three areas. And the thing that I find fascinating is that Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians from Macedonia to the church in Corinth, the church with tons of issues and problems, they didn't even like Paul half the time, He writes them about issues that we still grapple with and struggle with. The things that we make resolutions about, he actually speaks to. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 16 through 21 sits on top of the context of the first 15 verses, which speaks first off about our physical bodies. Paul says, have you ever noticed that our bodies just waste away? Have you noticed that they're very disappointing? Our bodies don't work right forever. And if you are a person who, whether you've just like dedicated yourself to working out or dieting right, or you're just at a a, a season of life where you're healthy and you're like, yes, I finally arrived. Enjoy it. This is not going to (laughs) last. And what Paul is saying is we walk with our bodies like groaning. Our bodies are groaning. Because of the fact that they are falling apart. But we're even more anxious about the fact that one day it's ultimately going to fall apart. And people are paralyzed by this reality. My body's breaking down or my body is ultimately going to be no more. And so what we do is we make resolutions. I'm going to eat differently this year. Or I'm going to, I'm going to start working out this year. Or I'm going to quit smoking. Or I'm going to start smoking. Or whatever your resolution is. We make these resolutions about what we're going to do with our physical body. Paul says, let's just be honest. This is a tent we're wearing. There's an eternity inside here, but this is a tent we're wearing. It will disappoint us. It will let us down. You can take care of it. You should. But one day it's going to be no more. But you have a greater, if you're a follower of Jesus, a greater reality that speaks into this tent that you're wearing than the fact that you can preserve it forever. You can't. And that actually deals with the second thing that most people make resolutions about, which is trading dead ends for greater goals. Your resolution this year, or maybe in a year past, has been, I'm going to get in a different job. This is a dead-end job. I'm working for a paycheck. I'm going, to, I'm going to start following my passion this year. I'm going to start working in this department this year. If you're in college, I'm going to switch my major this year. And we make these, these goals that are like, I, I'm going to start making some different, some greater goals than I currently have. Well, Paul says, not only do our bodies disappoint us, we're just in a tent, but there's a reality that even if we're breathing or we're not breathing and we're face-to-face with our Savior, we can do in both settings. And that is to not just trade dead ends for greater goals, but trade dead end selfishness for greater goal. And the greater goal is God's glory. His perspective is this, the greatest resolution one can make is I want whatever decisions I make this year, this day, this moment, to be through the filter of does this bring God glory or not? Every vocational choice I make or interpersonal decision I make or relational decision I make, does this bring God's glory? And if it does, you're, you're walking with great significance. He gets into the, the third, um, which a lot of times we're like, we, we, I can identify people in our life that are just, just pains in the rear, right? 
And we're just like, oh. But, but you know what? This year, they're a jerk, but I'm going to treat them less jerky than I have in the past. My boss, my, my in-laws, my parents, my kids. I'm going to be nicer to them. That's my resolution this year. That's cool, but that's kind of patronizing. That's basically saying, you're still a jerk, but I'm such a good person. I'm just going to stop treating you like a jerk because I'm so good. Paul's like, no, don't be patronizing. Do something even greater than that. Because of the gospel, we have something greater to do with that because we can actually look at ourselves and others with realistic optimism. I'm not merely saying, I'm going to treat you nice even though you're a jerk. I'm saying, I'm looking at you differently. I'm not merely looking at the sum total of your bad choices or bad behaviors. I'm looking at you as a real person that God really loves and who God can really change. And I can't make that happen. I can't manipulate you. But I can, I can pray for you because the hope that you need is the hope that I received from God, and I didn't deserve it either. And so we actually can upgrade our perspective on others. That is all what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21 sits on. So let's go ahead and take a look and read that right now, starting in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ— and that's key, if they're in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Just pause. Hebrew Jews could not get away from the concept of creation. It was hardwired into their story, their, their people's story. And so whenever you hear Paul talking about a new creation, it's not just this arbitrary term. He's saying there was an original creation. It was amazing and beautiful. Photosynthesis, DNA, animals, universes, galaxies, amazing, beautiful beauty that God has crafted in creation. That was the old creation. Everything in the old creation has been poisoned, but there's a new creation. And the new creation is us, what God is doing inside of us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, verse 17, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, this is key, really quick here. When we say reconciliation in church, a lot of people are just like, it's white noise. Because it's just like a, one of those fancy Christian words we chuck around. But think about what reconciliation is. Sometimes we think that reconciliation is God forgives us. That's not what it is. Like, um, Eric, let's say that I just really, really did something terrible to Eric. Like, I mean, I... I went to his car, and I slashed the tires. I took my Martinelli's bottle. I broke the windshield in, and then I wrote terrible things about him on the windows. I did that. I didn't really do that, but let's just say I did that. Eric, he's a follower of Jesus. He's been forgiven by Jesus. And because he's been forgiven by Jesus, he has an obligation as a Christian, even though I did a jerky, jerky thing, to forgive me. Forgiveness means I'm pushing the bitterness away. I'm not going to let it dictate my actions or my attitudes towards you anymore. That's forgiveness. But Eric may say it's really not safe to park our car outside of the garage if Errol's in the area. In fact, this is the third or fourth car Errol's done this to. We need to have a restraining order put against Errol. That would be a wise move. Now, he's still being a godly Christian man because he's forgiven me. Forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Reconciliation is saying, we are going to take this broken relationship and make it whole again. We're broken because of what's taken place between one of us, but we're going to go through all the effort to make this broken thing whole. 
That's reconciliation. As Christians, this is not always what we should be doing. There's people in our world that sometimes are so toxic that reconciling, put ourselves back in the relationship like it used to be, will cause them and us far more damage. But what we are called to do is to forgive them. Now, what Paul is saying here, this is why it's so like, audacious of what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that God did not merely forgive us. He didn't simply say, okay, I'm forgiving what you did. I'm pushing the bitterness away. Paul says, to Paul, he says, not only did God forgive us, he reconciled the relationship. He took that broken thing that we did against God and he made the relationship whole again. And Paul says, and not only that, he told us that not only did we receive that, but he wants us to tell other people about it. Look at verse 18 again. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And so God, we're making his case up through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we, we, we might become the righteousness of God. See, that, that, that amazing thing that we see in 2 Corinthians, that, that amazing reality of what Paul hearkens home to, is something that uh, the 17th century uh, writer and nonconformist pastor, Matthew Henry, wrote about. He did a bunch of exegetical work on the Bible, and when he got to this passage, this is what he said. He said, the renewed man acts upon new principles. And by the way, this is, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your story. The renewed man acts upon new principles by new rules with new ends and a new company. The believer is created anew. His heart is not merely set right, but a new heart is given him. He is the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus unto good works Though the same as a man, he is changed in his character and conduct. These words must and do mean more than an outward reformation. The man who formerly saw no beauty in the Savior, that he should desire him, now loves him above all things. If you're a Christian, you are a new creation. That means that God didn't simply polish you up and got you ready for church. He did a transformative work inside you so that you are brand new. You are new like as in new, not refurbished, new. You are new. You're a new creation. And that, you, that every day you would get a chance to experience that newness. Which brings us, of course, to Pastor Jason. Jason Domingo uh, has been posting some pictures on Instagram lately that look like this. Awkward, weird, sweaty. I don't understand them. But the reason that he's doing these pictures is because he's starting to train and he's starting to box and stuff. And so I look at that picture. I'm like, okay, well, I like it. But not only do I like the picture, I like what he said. What he said was pretty awesome. He says, aftermath, don't wait for New Year's. This was like six days ago that he sweated on that shirt. Aftermath, don't wait for New Year's. Start now. Make every day New Year's Day. Hashtag boxing, hashtag workout. Hashtag get after it. And then his trainer says, why wait? Time to get in shape. And then some other dude says, hashtag good, which hashtag almost made me want to start exercising. Hashtag almost. <laughs> now, this is the thing. The cool thing about that was, was uh, in addition to the myriad of hashtags, was 
the one line, this caught my eye, and I, I, I couldn't get rid of it. I'm like, oh, that's nice, and just moved on. But uh, the, I couldn't get rid of the line, the line that stuck out to me, make every day New Year's Day. Why? Because New Year's Day, even for the deepest cynic, the most jaded, numb person, New Year's Day has a glimmer, even if it's a fraction of hope, that this is going to be new, that this year could possibly be different, that this year there might be a modicum of change, difference could take place. The one thing I want you to remember as you're walking out of here is this. The past difference informs and impacts our future difference. This is why our resolutions fail. Sandy, you're right. They do fail. And this is why they fail. They fail because we look in our past at the lack of difference our work has actually accomplished, and we let that inform and impact any future difference. We say, you know what? It didn't work back then. I, I, I promised myself I was going to work out every day, and that worked out one day. And so I'm going to, based on looking on the past indifference, lack of difference, I'm going to say that there's no hope for the future. But this is why it's so amazing as a Christian. Because that may be true for cardio, or that may be true for your diet, or that might, may be true for how you treat people, but it's not true for your Christianity. Your Christianity says, I'm not using my record, my difference from the past as the foundation for my future hope. I actually look at the past difference Jesus accomplished for me and let that speak into and inform and impact the difference that he wants to accomplish in me from this point. That makes, that makes what, all the things that happens in our life in 2017 more than a show, more than a goal, more than simply turning over a new leaf. It is the work of Christ that motivates us to walk in the finished work he accomplished in giving us a new mind, a new heart, a new creation. As a church, the thing that, that just pumps me up is, is wanting to give you the opportunity as people within this church that, that are members of the new creation, that you are new creations, to actually come alongside you and nurture that both internally inside of you, in your mind, in your heart, in your, in your, in your psyche, in your intellect, and, and with your actions. And here's a couple of the opportunities that we want to bring before you this year. First off, um, uh, we've got a series of things on the weekends as we gather together we're, we've kind of selected what we're going to be teaching through for this purpose uh, starting next week we're starting a series called Better Together which is talking about the hope uh, and, and the hope of the world which is the church it's the bride of God the bride of Jesus this asks the question why is it that we show up for an hour hour ten minutes every single week why, do you, why are you here Guys, it's New Year's Day. Why are you in here? I mean, you're tired. I can see that you're tired. Why are you here? Why? What? I mean, this had to be a conversation that you and a spouse or a friend had. Like, seriously, church on New Year's Day? Don't we get that off? I mean, isn't it like a holiday? Come on. Why are you here? Could it be that you have realized the genius of God in gathering a group of broken people who need a savior, who need the savior, who need Jesus, that we gather together week after week after week because we are better together. That God has created us for a relationship where we worship him with our, our work and our everyday life and our choices, but that there's something about when we gather together that's significant and special. We're better 
together, that we should be doing actions that are seeing needs and meeting them in our community. And each one, I know so many of you do that independently, but that we're better together. God's genius move of the church is something that we're going to be studying for January and February and seeing what it is that God is doing and what he's going to be doing. We're going to be going out after that and uh, jumping into a series that really helps us who are skeptics or dif- have difficult time with our faith delve into that by, by talking about who needs God and really focusing in on the need for God. Uh, many of us, if you're not someone who's just come from a place of doubt or skepticism about your faith, you're either going to hit one of those seasons or you're related to someone who currently is or you're a friend with someone who currently is. And we want Manuka Bible Church to be a place where people can actually come and be honest about like, I'm, I'm having some difficult times with believing some of this. And that series is really gonna be talking about seeing how, how that drift away from faith. Like, yeah, Christianity was something I did as a kid or I had faith when I was a kid, but I'm just, it's just there's, a, there's enough issues that I have with the church or enough issues I have with scripture that I just don't wanna be associated with it anymore. And so this series is for, is for all of those of us in here and all of our friends. So we were gonna encourage you to invite people to jump in on that and take a look and see what scripture has to say about that. That's gonna run right up to Easter, which is, the theme is my victory, talking about the rescue accomplished by God. Love Easter, love Easter at NBC. It's gonna be a big deal. We're gonna move into uh, April, um, focusing in on Imago Dei, which is Latin for image of God, talking about the implications of being created in the image of God. If you recognize that you're created in the image of God, that makes a world of difference. In fact, if you're watching the news or reading a newspaper or looking at news online, every problem that you see is because of someone's answer to the question, do you believe you're created in the image of God? The way that people treat one another, the way that they treat themselves, the way that they treat the environment all comes from the question of do you agree that you're created in the image of God? We're going to be talking in this series of the implications ecologically, the implications relationally, and the implications about looking at our own value individually through the lens of being created in the image of God. I'm I'm really stoked about that. Um, That bottom uh, thing right there is Leviticus. Um, If you make a resolution to read through your Bible in 2017, Leviticus is where you're going to quit. Because Leviticus is some... There's some messed up stuff in Leviticus. Confusing, difficult, bloody. What in the world is this even in the Bible for? Stuff that I'm not sure if they would teach it in the kids department, Leviticus. But what we're going to realize is that Leviticus is so much, I mean, it's a beautiful book. It's amazing. And what we're going to be talking about is the great returns to God. Leviticus, if you wanted to give it a different name, could be this. It's God saying to us, return to me. Return to me. You're so distant. I've made a way for you to return to me. How do I know if God can actually hear my prayers? How do I know if I'm okay with God, between God and I? Leviticus speaks into that, impacts our prayer life, impacts our joy, impacts all of that. We're going to be spending the summer in the book of Leviticus. On top of that, there's going to be, um, on Sundays, there's going to be reality new classes downstairs that are going to, we're going to have some theological stuff there. There's going to be some financial stuff there, some Bible studies that we want you to be paying attention of. This is all going to be taking place this spring. But 
We don't want you just to become academic geniuses of the Bible. We want you to actually take action and do something because internal stuff can't stay internal. Stuff on the inside impacts stuff on the outside. It, it does. And if you ate a lot over Christmas break, you know this to be true. Stuff on the inside impacts stuff on the outside. And so what we want you to do is to recognize that what, some of these opportunities are like baptism. Baptism is a way that you say, I'm, I'm seeing what God is doing in scripture. I'm seeing what God is doing in my life. And I want to publicly declare that. There's we do baptisms at Manuka Bible Church um, where we do these collective, like, big deal baptisms three times a year. And then we do um, one baptism at Shindig, um, the summer camp that our whole church goes to or is invited to. My favorite weekends of the year are baptism weekends. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they're amazing. And the reason they're amazing is because you're seeing people just like you and me that, that, are, that are saying, look, I, I'm not a perfect person. I'm simply surrendering myself to God. And I'm not ashamed. I want everyone to know about that. And, and they, in baptism, they get dunked in this little tiny tank over here um, that's signifying and symbolizing the fact that they are dying, they're associating themselves with Jesus' death and associating themselves with Jesus' life and resurrection. It's beautiful, it's amazing. The crowd goes wild because we're all super excited because we're seeing our story played out up here. If you've never been baptized, don't feel ashamed of that. Just let 2017 be the year that you take action. Let this be a year where you step into that and you watch the training wheels of boldness that God crafted in baptism be something that you can experience. If you'd like to sign up for that, just, you can go to the Minooka Bible Church app and like sign up for it or call Joyce and say, I'm interested in being there because I want to be a part of baptism this next time and we will make sure that you get a chance to participate in that. And it's, the coolest thing is that whenever we do baptism, the people that are in the baptism class say that the reason that they got baptized this time was because they watched somebody in the last baptism and they heard their story and they said, that's my story. And, they, and that connected. And so that's super excited. That could be one of those action steps that you take. Uh, but we also want to see you step into exploring God's word on your own independently. And that intimidates some of you because you're like, I don't, what if I've got questions? So what we want to do is we want to create some reading plans that will help you read things that are connected to what we're teaching on the weekend so that it's going to be something where we're doing, we're going through this as a church. And that's going to be our goal this year is to provide more of those for you to really tackle that. We also want you to be, be studying God's word in groups because as, as cool as it is for us to be here on the weekend and it's so important that we're like together, it's also vitally important to sit around and be able to study God's word around other people. Other people like you that, 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 that are, you've got questions and you've got, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Maybe I don't know everything about the Bible, but I, I want to learn about the Bible and I want to be prayed for and I want to go through life with people. Real life groups are designed for that. And so uh, what we did was we took two years and we said, we want to put within two years in the real life groups everything we think that believers should know about. Like a follower of Jesus, I mean, it's not going to cover everything in scripture, but some of the key areas of discipleship for a follower of Jesus, and let's embed that in. And so for this spring, um, we actually, these are the topics and the teachers that are going to be teaching those real life groups. Um, some of them are pastoral staff, some of them are lay people within our church, but this is the spring's lineup of what's going to be taught in real life groups um, through the video curriculum and then the, the study that each small group is going to be doing. Now, the cool thing is this. If, you, if you're not in a real-life group and you can connect those at the connection wall out there by the, the guest hub, we want you to be in a group where you're studying God's word alongside each other, whether that's a celebrate recovery, step study, or it's um, uh, re-engage, or some, some type of group where you're getting an opportunity to gather around and not simply spectate, but interact with 
one another. Now, that's important stuff, but we, we want to see you do something too, to actually not just be people who are Bible studiers, but Bible doers, okay? If all you're doing is studying about Jesus, but you're not following Jesus, all you're doing is stalking Jesus, okay? And stalking anyone is weird and creepy, right? Uh, Bob Goff said that. He, he was like, he's like, if you're just studying about someone and you're not actually following their lead or interacting with them, then you're just stalking the person. So let's not be people who are just Bible studiers or studying Jesus's life. Let us be people who are following his lead into action. The Real World Endeavors team have come up with um, opportunities for us to step into needs in our community this year. And this is the lineup. Um, February and March, we're going to be jumping into Hands for Humanity, which is serving shut-ins and widows in our community. A person on the Endeavor team is oftentimes on the, the Haiti team. And she was realizing that whenever we go to the Haiti, whenever we go to Haiti, we're ministering to widows and shut-ins, people who can't get to their local church. But I don't know if we're doing that at Manuka Bible Church. How lame is it that we're traveling thousands of miles for something we're not willing to do right here in our own church? People that are shut-ins within our church and, and within this community that are not connected to our church, Many of them have felt like they have been kicked to the curb by their family and forgotten. It's a shame if we as the bride of Christ, the church, sends that same message to them, that they're forgotten. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make contact with the shut-ins and the widows within our church community and this community and ask them if they would like to be part of a program where a family basically adopts them and, and doesn't have them move in with them, but, but, but spends the year saying, we're going to make contact with you. We're going to make sure you are not alone. We're going to, to celebrate your birthday. And so whether you're a single or, you've got, or you're just a couple or, or you've got a whole family, for you to be able to adopt a shut-in or a widow within our community and let them know the love of Jesus, that's taking place in uh, the first part of the year. I'm going to set it up for the whole year. Mothers and Children is where we're going to be partnering up with Under His Wings and Living Alternatives Pregnancy Center, where we're giving um, girls who've gotten pregnant, who have no hope, and a lot of them who have been kicked out of their homes, options and resources they would not otherwise have, love and care and a place to live that they would not otherwise have. And you as the church could partner with them, not just in an ideological way or, or I, I'm really pro-life or anything, but you can actually walk alongside someone and support somebody who actually is, has these needs and is a real person who's trying to bring another real person into this world. We get into June and July, we're going to be um, jumping back into our foster care focus with uh, Royal Family Kids, and we are, man, it's an amazing organization. Yeah, those who've gone on this, um, they are forever disciples of that program. They love it because they love the fact that these kids, many of whom have been separated from their parents because their parents are in prison or have gotten into drugs, have a community of people who love them and that they can look forward to seeing every summer at summer camp. And it's just amazing. So that's going to be, we're going to be giving you more information on that as well. When we roll into August and September, we're going to be um, doing our focus on immediate needs, financial and food needs within our community that we can actually step into. I think it was like, as soon as this building was erected, we, we had the, um, they had, someone had this idea, and I don't remember who it was. I wish I did. But they had this idea, what if we like cleared out all the chairs in here and transformed this worship center where we worship God in song and sermon? What if we turned it into a worship center? We worship God by expressing grace and generosity to those who need it in our own community. We're not sending checks to other places. We're actually opening the doors and inviting people in. And so that year on, this room was packed with really, really cool stuff that you donate. 
You guys don't donate junk. I think like Carlos is saying is don't, don't donate um, ceramic frogs because no one likes ceramic frogs. But donate good stuff, and you did. And the thing that, that blew my mind was like every year I walk through the aisles of this stuff that you donated, and I'm like, man, this stuff is really good. This is really cool. Like I almost want to shoplift for my own church from this stuff. It's so good. But I won't. Because as, you're watch, as they open the doors, 500 people walk through here and are able to have themselves resourced in ways that they would not otherwise resource. Last year, um, a lady who manages a salon, um, she, invi- she had her whole staff come, or this, uh, artists and stylists come and, and be people that are, and, and other volunteers within the church that are professional stylists, cut hair for, for kids who are gonna have their first day of school and mom and dad couldn't afford you know, having their haircut or on top of everything else, having all these haircuts would be expensive. And so, we, so these professional stylists did the kids' hair awesomely. And all these kids were ready for their first day of school because artists in our church stepped in and stepped up. And so we see a need and we're going to meet it. Why? Now, is this because they're so amazingly just generous, wonderful, moral, high-standing people at Manuka Bible Church? No. Is it because we're so awesome? Nope. It's because the past difference of what Jesus has accomplished has informed and impacted all the differences in our own life. We do these things out of the overflow of what he's already given us. It's just passing it on. Christmas for the kids is going to be November and December where we're again helping out families have gifts for kids that they wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. Now, um, every month, up to 400 families are impacted through the food pantry. So we didn't want that just to be one focus uh, for one part of the year. We wanted it to be something where we have uh, basically a monthly focus. We'll put this on our Facebook page, and we'll put it on the app for you. But every every month, we want to have like a focus, like May, laundry soap. Like for, for us to be able to stock the, the resource center downstairs so that people that have needs can say, we need some laundry soap, and then it's going to be there for them. So that if you're single or a couple or a family, when you're buying your groceries during that month and you check to see what that month's focus is, you could say, okay, we're buying extra laundry soap or toilet paper. And your kids might be like, why are we buying extra toilet paper? Well, it's because we're part of the church, <laughs> of course. And as the church, we see needs and we meet them. We step into them. And that's going to be something that we can all jump into in 2017. And, and finally, I want to encourage you to join a serving team. Scripture is very clear that you've been given gifts that were intended to build the kingdom. And I don't care if you're a junior higher or you're 88 years old. God has gifted you with unique abilities that he wants you to be a part of something. If you've been coming to Manuka Bible Church for a long time, I want to encourage you to get off the bench and step in. Even if it's like serving coffee or greeting people or uh, volunteering in Echo or, or the nursery or the student ministry or teaching a Bible study, I want you to recognize what it is that God has gifted you with and step into that. We have people that are retired that are going around the the church restoring things that have been broken, and it's awesome because they've got way more giftings with um, drywall and and wall putty than I ever will, and so it's awesome to watch things that, that you guys are gifted in coming up to the surface. What if this year there was this massive difference where you actually were stepping into the new creation that God has gifted you with and granted inside of you? What if this year that you looked at everything differently than you did before and you actually walked into celebrating what Jesus has accomplished and celebrating the fact that he's still accomplishing things in your life? Which brings us to the Firestone Julie Andrews record. 
You, not, you guys know that I'm a, I'm a huge Christmas freak, right? Big time. Most of you know that, right? I'm being honest with you, so just please affirm me. I'm a Christmas freak, and not only a Christmas freak, I'm a Christmas music freak, like crazy. And it's not my fault. It's my mom's fault. It's Jeanette McFadden's fault because Jeanette McFadden started this addiction in my life back when I was a kid. I remember as soon as it got into December, walking home from school on cold, chilly, bitter cold Southern California days. And I remember <laughs> bundled up, getting up to the house and, and opening the door. And all of a sudden, the smell of Christmas just... And as I opened the door more, the Christmas tree was up. See, some of you have, you know, there's lots of people in your house that do decorating. Not my mom. My mom did all of it, and she did it while we were at school. So when we opened the door, all of a sudden, the Christmas tree is there, and the ornaments are there, and the stockings are there, and Christmas music is in the air. Like the television was off in the month of December as we listened to Christmas album after Christmas album after Christmas album. Last weekend, 24 McFaddens descended upon my house, (laughs) one of which was Jeanette McFadden, the Christmas music freak that passed on to that addiction to me. And so there's something inside of you, I don't care how old you are, that you still want your your mom's approval, you know, even if you don't think you do, you kind of do. And so I wanted to really like make my mom proud and like get some props from her. So I'm like, mom, check this out. I got all these old vinyls. I got like a bunch of Christmas albums that we could play. Like I got Bing Crosby. I've got Burl, I- Burl Ives, mom, Burl Ives. I've got Elvis. We got Elvis's Christmas. I mean, it's like, we got so many, it's like phenomenal. Like Nat King Cole, look at all these different Christmas albums. And I was like super pumped. And my mom was like, just looking and she's like, oh, that's nice. That's really nice. If only you had... The Firestone Julie Andrews record. I said, oh, but mom, I do. (laughs) And I reached down and I pulled up the 1965 Firestone Tire Julie Andrews Christmas album and I showed it to her. And my mom is like eight feet away and she just goes like this. And then she starts to cry. And I'm like, and she just walks over to me and she throws her arms around me and she starts to go from the weepy cry to the ugly cry, (laughs) where her shoulders are moving cry. I'm like, mom, what's, what's wrong? She's like, you don't understand. I listen to that album every Christmas. I sat by my parents' fireplace and I would paint and draw. And as I was a little girl growing up, I would listen to that year after year after year. I loved the music, but I didn't understand the music. The reason my mom didn't understand the music was because my mom didn't know Jesus. She really didn't. She um, was raised in a family that my mom looked at her parents as doing the Christmas and Easter thing because it was obligatory but that didn't follow its way home at all. My mom, because of that hypocrisy, became a pretty hard and fast atheist by the age of 10. And when she got into her junior high years, she became a professional atheist. I don't know if you know any atheists that are really amazing atheists. My mom was a way better atheist than any of you, your friends. She was like awesome, like varsity atheist. 
She was the evangelist atheist that would find her friends that believed in Jesus and try to talk them out of it. How could you possibly believe in this crazy little fairy tale of Christianity? My junior high atheist mom would say. Until one day, my atheist junior high mom was invited to a uh, Bible study, which she thought she would attend just for the joke of it. And she heard the gospel for the first time, or at least the first time that it made sense to her. The fact that God recognized our brokenness and didn't just apathetically sit, but entered into the timeline of history, became man, died on a cross and rose from the grave for you and for me. And for whatever reason, that penetrated my mom's atheistic heart. And she surrendered her life to Jesus as a junior higher. The next Christmas, when taking her seat by the fireplace to draw and to paint, she pulled out the Firestone Julie Andrews Christmas album and put it on. And the thing that she was noticing was this. These songs that she knew, she could tell you the melody lines, she could tell you everything about them. All of a sudden, they sounded different. She talked about how when she heard it now, that particular Christmas, the Christmas after she became a Christian, all of a sudden, it was like, I now understand the song. I now understand what this is all about. This is the story of God, which happens to now be my story too. Christmas was different from that year on for my mom because of the fact that for the very first time, she saw what Jesus had accomplished and saw that it had a very real and realistic and personal impact on her. A church, if you're a Christian, what if we entered into 2017 not only knowing the words, but actually stepping into knowing the implications of those words? What if we actually let the past difference inform and impact our differences that we're stepping into? What if we were the type of people that actually go from, from what, what we're just always believing or always hearing about to actually seeing it, something that we can celebrate. We can celebrate the past work of Jesus and celebrate the fact that God is not done with you and he's not done with me. What if we took bold steps in 2017, brave steps, courageous steps, trusting his lead, trusting his work and the finished work and watch as he creates in us new minds, new hearts, and we can experience being the new creation. Amen? Let us not be a people that are simply apathetic about and cynical about 2017. It's going to be the same as last year. No. We are Christians who believe in the resurrection. Even dead things can rise again. Amen? Let's stand for prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray over this year as a blessing and a charge and a challenge. We receive your challenge, God, to not simply flatline, but to recognize that the story of the gospel is more than a story. It's a reality based in something took place 2,000 years ago that is still having implications and impact in our lives now. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room 
and who's connected to us from a distance, God, that you will allow us to surrender ourselves more and more, that as your, your body, the bride of Christ, the church, a group of people that are better together, we will glorify you in our corporate decisions, our, our group decisions, and our individual ones. And we will see in 2017 growth in our own hearts and our own obedience to you that we would have never seen otherwise. We thank you for making us new. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy New Year, and God bless.